Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We all thought, you know what, after Ohio State lost to Michigan, okay, we wouldn't talk much about them till the, the bowl game, right? Their cotton bowl against Missouri. Well, eh, wrong. Transfer portal. Forgot all about that. And the big news with the Buckeyes in the transfer portal, I think it's up to 12 guys that have opted into the transfer portal. The two biggest names, wide receiver Julian Fleming and quarterback Kyle McCord leaving, which maybe opens the door for somebody to transfer into Ohio State next year. So uh, let's break that all down right now by going to the hotline and bring in the outstanding Buckeyes beat reporter, Bucknuts.com. Follow him on Twitter at Steve Hellwagon. He is Steve Hellwagon. And, Steve, let's start right there with Kyle McCord. How surprised were you that McCord opted to leave Ohio State and enter the portal? Yes, I think when the news broke Monday morning real early, I think there was a lot of shock and surprise for a guy that led Ohio State to an 11-1 record and third-team All-Big Ten and whatever else, you know, that uh, that that he would leave. But uh, reflecting back earlier on Sunday to uh, Coach Day's comments, he was asked about five or six different questions about the quarterback position, whether he thought they got good enough quarterback play and uh, what it would look like during bowl practice if the other guys would get an opportunity and could he commit that McCourt would go into 2024 as the starter. And he was completely noncommittal on all of that. So even to the point of saying that uh, Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz would get some reps perhaps during uh, bowl practice to, to show what they could do and that uh, whoever gives them the best chance to win the game would play. I mean, that that takes it pretty far right there. So, uh, you know, for, you know, 14 hours later to find out that McCord's in the portal, uh, that, you know, I guess you have two and two together and it equals four sometimes. So there you go. <laughs> Steve, I agree. I listened to that uh, press conference on Sunday. I immediately called Brian. I said, you got to get this audio because it was not, in my opinion, a ringing endorsement of any quarterback that's at Ohio State right now, and it really didn't surprise I'm not going to say it didn't surprise me when I woke up and I saw the news, but I also knew that he did not give him a ringing endorsement. Kyle McCord takes himself, puts him into the transfer portal. A couple of questions thereafter are going to be, where do you think he lands, and where do you think Ohio State looks? Well, that, those are two really good questions, and I think that uh, there are some People out there who have reported that perhaps a school like Nebraska might be interested in Kyle McCord, another Power 5 school. And, you know, he was good enough, obviously, to help Ohio State win 11 games. Mm -hmm. Is he a guy that's going to transfer from Nebraska to 5 to 10 wins? I doubt it. But at the same time, he's got this one year of experience playing at the highest level. And, uh, you know, if you feel that you can solve some of the issues that he has, locking in on one receiver and – you know, some of the other issues that he may have, you know, he, he doesn't run the ball at all, really, as a quarterback. So that's something, you know, that you have to kind of take into account with him. He's just a pocket guy. Um, you know, he makes some NFL throws, but you kind of have to live with everything else that goes along with it. There's going to be some inconsistency and, uh, you know, just some things that, that aren't going to 
necessarily mesh well in the beginning of games, but once he gets warmed up, he's not too bad. So I don't know. I think in some regards he's been scapegoated for probably the worst offensive line Ohio State's had in over 20 years. And, uh, you know, he gets hit on the final interception. You know, I don't hold that one to be his fault, even though everyone's kind of, you know, giving that one to him. So, you know, is what it is. Uh, I, I think Ohio State is going to be out there hunting and, and looking for if they can find an impact guy to come in and play in 2024, then, then I think that's what they'll do. See, I'm, a, I'm one of those people, Steve, that never liked him. Um, I think they won in spite of him. I think he benefited from having Marvin Harrison in high school and in college. Now we're going to find out what kind of a quarterback he is when Marvin Harrison isn't his main target that he's throwing to. So I wish him nothing but the best. He seems like a, a nice kid, but to me, he's not what Ohio State should have at, at the quarterback position. And so I, yeah. I'm wondering about this Air Nolan kid, Steve, right? This kid coming in, is Air Nolan going to uh, enroll early in January and try to hit the ground running to battle for that spot next year? Yeah, I think that's the plan for Ohio State is to get Air Nolan in there uh, in, you know, in January so he can go through spring drills and uh, get ready to, to compete for the job. I think it would be unlikely that a true freshman would win this job it's just too big of a situation to throw a true freshman into. But although they don't play any marquee non-conference opponents next year, so uh, you know you you could have somebody cut their teeth against. I don't even know who they play at this point. I think Bowling Green might be one of them. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it, it's so nondescript. I haven't even thought about it. But um, you know they do play at Oregon, at Penn State, two extremely tough places to play and play Michigan at the end. I mean, those are the three games. It's a three-game season next year. So, uh, you know, that that's kind of what you're looking at. If you want to get back on top of college football, you got to find a way to win those big critical games, and particularly the game, Michigan. So, uh, you know, that's kind of, kind of the lay of the land right now. Uh, Steve, we hear a lot of rumors this time of year. Obviously, the big one's always going to be the transfer portal. The other is going to be, like Kenny mentioned, who would sit out in the Cotton Bowl. But the bigger question in my mind is this. Is there any chance Marvin Harrison, A, wins the Heisman Trophy on Saturday, or B, decides to come back next season? No, I can't imagine either. I think, first of all, uh, most of the money seems to be on Jaden Daniels, the quarterback from LSU who set a bunch of records. And if not him, then Michael Penix, who won the big showdown game with Washington versus Oregon. It seemed like uh, between he and Nix, it was a, a tough competition to be in that race as well. So I think that it'll be a split vote between those two. And whoever, you know, comes between those two is probably going to get I would think Marvin finishes either third or fourth. I think it was just great that he got invited to New York City. Uh, I think that that's just a tremendous, tremendous acknowledgement of how good he really was. And uh, unfortunate, we didn't get to see uh, him in a in a playoff setting this year because uh, you know he's a guy that you know if they don't you know defend him, he could have put this team on his back and you know tried to help him win the national championship this year. But uh, they had the defense to do it by and large, but they just didn't uh, didn't in the end uh, put put the pieces they needed to put together to, to pull it off. But I can't imagine any scenario where he would come back because. To me, he looks and feels like he's a top five pick, and that that sounds or seems like a thirty to fifty million dollar lottery ticket in your 
pocket so, mm-hmm. uh, on your first contract, and then you plan for that big second contract, obviously. Yeah. So uh, to me, I, I think he's gone. Wishful thinking, I guess, on my part. You know, I go back to Mike Doss wanting to come back for one more year, and we know what happened. They win a national championship. I want to take you back to this past Sunday in that press conference with Ryan Day. I sense a little frustration in your voice and some of the questions you were asking Ryan Day, capitulating that he did make some bad calls in that Michigan game. What was your takeaway from that entire conversation? Yeah, you know, I, you think about it, and uh, I know Doug Maurice from the Plain Dealer, or I guess he used to be at the Plain Dealer. He's not there anymore. Uh, he was he's on one of the webcasts here in town now, but uh, he uh, – had kind of tete-a-tete with uh, Coach Day about mm-hmm. the decision-making at the end of the half. And, you know, ultimately, we, we talked about this a lot last week. I said, you know, you can't portray that you're going to be freewheeling and everything else and yep. then get into a situation where you've got the ball, you've just hit two plays for 60 yards, and you've got the ball at their 40-yard line going in with a minute to play <laughs> and at least one or two timeouts to your disposal and not score any points and expect to win that game. I think that uh, you had a chance to seize all momentum in that game with a touchdown to go ahead 17 to 13 to start the second half and and really change the complexion of that game. And they failed to do that. And they failed to do it because uh, they didn't try to do it. I mean, they didn't even begin to try to do it. They threw a swing pass to Henderson and he got lit up like a Christmas tree by the safety. Uh, you know, they were lucky that they finally got a third down past Stover for eight yards to where they could consider a field goal. And, uh, you know, obviously it, it didn't work out. So, yeah, to my way of thinking, um, you know, I don't want to say he blew the game with bad decisions or anything silly like that, but you got to put your guys in a chance to win. And look what Michigan did. They pulled out all the stops. They had a halfback pass. Uh, they went for it on fourth down three times. And, uh, you know, some other things that they did, they just pulled out all the stops, and uh, Ohio State just wasn't ready for it. Steve, I'm with you 100%. Um, I I thought he played conservatively at the end of the game last year against Georgia to settle for a long field goal to win the national championship, uh, which, you know, to me, uh, you can't do that. And then he didn't learn from that and did it again in another big game. And that's where I start to get concerned about Ryan Day and start calling him Ryan Cooper because when you look at the big games, right, he's failed against Michigan. He has a, a losing yeah. record in bowl games, and he has a losing record against top five teams. That sounds a lot like John Cooper. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've got a buddy of mine, whenever we're faced with one of these kind of conundrums, he goes, hey, we're not splitting atoms here. Uh, this is very simple. Uh, three games in a row, they've lost to Michigan. They've been beaten badly up front, offensive and defensive lines. That's where it happens. In this game, anybody could be playing quarterback, running back, wide receiver, but if you don't have the outstanding offensive and defensive line play, you aren't going to win very many football games. And for the, what, 22nd consecutive meeting in this rivalry, the team that rushed for more yardage won the game. So until they get those situations figured out, offensive and defensive line, the beatings will continue until morale improves. So there you go. That's a fair way of looking at it. It really is, yeah. Steve. Um, you got to learn from co- the past. You're just going to you're yep. condemned to uh, repeat it. I mean, and he uh, he could be stubborn and cut his nose off despite his face, and you know, you know, great. You beat 
you know, Maryland by a bazillion points. You beat Rutgers by a bazillion mm-hmm. points. You can't beat Michigan. The way you're prop, the way you're constructed right now as of today, you've got to get those areas fixed. And I mean meaningfully fixed, not just Band-Aid fixed with a guy from San Diego State. You've got to get those mm-hmm. areas fixed. You know, it comes to mind, a couple of years ago we had you on this program. You said there was a huge disparity on the four- and five-star recruits that Ohio State has versus that team up north. What's changed? Have they narrowed that gap with better talent, or are we just not coaching our guys up? Man, you're you're asking a tough one there. I think the results, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, you know, with the final scores of these games, they had you know the last two weren't even particularly close. You know, so at least this time they didn't get blown out of the water. They went down mm-hmm. to the final play of the game uh, before they lost. But um, a loss is still a loss. Yeah. They have got to uh, to figure out the answers to these questions. And I think it's individual units. I think it's uh, offensive and defensive philosophy for special teams. I mean, it's just, it, it's, they got enough questions. I mean, Ryan Day won big his first two or three years and everyone, you know, wanted to throw a party for him and throw a parade. And it's like, you know, just winning 10 or 11 games and, and, you know, isn't, isn't enough. I mean, you, you have got, you know, when you've recruited to this level, and you have all these resources and advantages that you have at Ohio State, you need to take it take it farther. And you need to get into the playoff and get to the championship mm-hmm. game and win the Big Ten and beat Michigan. You need to do all those things. They haven't done it now for you know three three consecutive years. So he's answering a lot of questions about why, you know, why is this going wrong? Well there's a lot of things going wrong right now. And uh, they need to, you know, begin with this bowl practice, incremental, one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Put the best players you can out there on the field who, who want to play in this game and, uh, you know, do what you can to beat Missouri. But then after that, it's get this team really ready to go, get some people in there who can help them through the portal and uh, put, put a better team on the field in 24. This is the reason, fellas, that every year I tell you when you rank these recruiting classes – you got to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because I don't believe in it 100%. Yeah, you're going to get some talent, but talent doesn't always win on the field of play. Steve Hellwagon, our guest from Bucknuts.com. My next tough question, Steve, is the new subdivision thing that they're talking about at the D1 level. Is this a step towards regulating NIL and or transfers? Well, I don't know what – I didn't really hear a whole lot addressing transfers. I think that they do need to come up with something – to, uh, to to help with the transfer situation because it is a bit messy right now, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, with, you know, however many kids are in the portal, uh, you know, it feels like, you know, Ohio State's got 12 guys in right now. A lot of schools have three, four, five guys in the portal. Um, you know, I, I don't think the transient nature of the sport is in anybody's best interest, but uh, uh, I don't know. That, that one's a tough one. As far as the NIL, you know, the NCAA president, I think his name's Charlie Baker, is trying to distinguish himself from the empty suits who kind of sat in that, that job over the years, mm-hmm. Emmert and the other people who were useless, you know, up until now, to try and say, hey, we want to be part of this solution. We want you to keep the NCAA as a regulatory body, and we want, uh, you know, here, here's an idea, uh, make it quasi-professional athletics, and, you know, but I haven't, I haven't studied it line by line. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner today, spoke about it and said, well, this caught us all off guard. You know, uh-huh. we're, 
we're all supposed to be working together on a solution, and Charlie Baker is out here wildcatting with his own ideas. You know, you'd like his ideas better if you knew, oh, yeah, he had the input of the SEC and the Big Ten, but he really didn't. So how far is this going to go before they want to put their spin on it as to what it is going to be? So Mm -hmm. they're the ones who hold all the cards, the SEC and the Big Ten. And then also to a degree, the ACC and the Big 12, you know, they're kind of adjunct at this point Mm -hmm. in the power power four. It's a power two with plus two type situation, you know, going forward. So, um, you know, I, I just look at it. The, whatever those big schools want, that's what it's going to be. Well, it made me wonder because when they started this whole transfer portal thing, I don't think they ever really expected to have thousands into it. And I think the first day up until about 3 p.m. on Monday, there was already a thousand names in the transfer portal. So ridiculous. I, it is. And I think it's one thing if you're not playing and you want to maybe step down in division or nobody's going to expect you to be the number one QB. So you go to a lesser school. We get that. But the problem with this is it also makes me think that the NCAA maybe wants to regulate transfers or maybe have these kids sign some type of a contract so you don't have a ukulele that goes from Clemson to Oregon State uh, and then to his third team. I mean, is that good yeah. for college football? Yeah, there's guys that are on their third and fourth team, and I, I don't know what, what that how that serves them mm-hmm. or how that serves uh, you know the colleges or whatever to have no stability at all in this industry. It just it doesn't make any sense. So, you know – I don't know. I want to be. I want to have players' rights in mind. I think that uh, the student athletes. You know, if my son or daughter didn't like it at Ohio State, they could transfer to Miami of Ohio tomorrow, and nobody would care. Mm-hmm. But if the kid's a football player, okay. then oh, hold fair. on, we don't want that. That's you fair. Know, whatever. Well, mm-hmm. why should you dictate to anybody where they should go to school? You know, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, because so. your kids aren't getting paid to go there. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear it. I hear it. I, I don't know. There's got to be something that, that, that works out. To, the industry as a whole is uh, accessible and it's a mess right now. And, um, you know, it just, it, 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 it's not what any of us grew up with. And, you know, I'm 55 years old and I'll be dead and buried, you know, within a few years, you know, 20 years, whatever. And, and, you know, it'll carry on without me just as it'll carry on without all of us. But, you know, we'd like some semblance of what we grew up on, you know, to, to continue, but it, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Steve Hellwagon, our guest from Bucknuts.com. Follow him on Twitter at Steve Hellwagon. Steve, I want to get back to this bowl game on the 29th. To me, it's a meaningless game because it has no impact on who wins the national championship. But to Ryan Day and those players who are going to play in the game, it means something as a stepping stone for next year. So my question to you is, we know Kyle McCord's in the transfer portal. He will not play. Mayan Williams, you expect not to suit up for that game because of you expect not to suit up for that game because of maybe NFL aspirations or they could eventually get in the portal. Yeah, what we've seen in recent years with these, I'll call them exhibition bowl games, any bowl game that's not a playoff game, is guys <coughs> excuse me, who have big-time NFL draft aspirations skip these games. The Rose Bowl two years ago, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave both skipped the game and uh, both ended up in the first round of the NFL draft, you know, that yep. type of thing. So, and there were some others that skipped it as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I – um, you know, I would envision there'll be five or six starters who don't play in this game for one reason or another. 
you know, you look at a guy like Tommy Eichenberg, he was banged up and he played in the Michigan game, didn't play particularly well, but some of that could have been due to, you know, not, not being healthy. So, you know, I just look at it that uh, it is the way of the world. Uh, these people leave. That's an opportunity for a freshman or a sophomore to get more reps and get some playing time. I go back to the Clemson Orange Bowl way back 10 years ago. Von Bell didn't play much as a freshman, but uh, he had a great bowl practice. They put him in there, and he intercepted a pass against Taj Boyd. And then the next year, he was one of the four or five key players on a team that won the national championship. So, to me, there's tremendous, tremendous benefit to this game is identifying who's that next Von Bell who just jumps out at you this month and in this game against a good team, Missouri 10-win team, from the SEC and, uh, you know, helps you put you in a position to win this game. You want to win the game because going into recruiting and everything else in the offseason, you don't want all these murmurs and negative recruiting. Oh, they're out of control over there. Oh, they, they can't even beat Missouri, you know, whatever. Right, right, yeah. You don't want Michigan and everybody saying that about your program. You want to you want to win that game and uh, go into the offseason on a high note. And, uh, you know, yeah, it doesn't mean anything in 100 years. Anybody remember that this game was even played? No. But, you know, for this year, it's important. So in some small regard, it's important. <laughs> yeah. Steve, here, here's who I think's not going to play that's still on the roster, okay? T- tell me, if you really, you know, think I'm way off base, please jump in. I don't think Trevion Henderson's going to play. Marvin Harrison Jr., he won't play. JT Tuomaloal will not play. Cade Stover will not play. Josh Proctor, I don't expect him to play. Uh, I don't expect Tommy Eichenberg to play, and I don't expect Denzel Burke to play. Yep, that's a pretty solid seven. You know, Stover banged up at the end of the year. Uh, hard to say what, what's going through his mind. If he wants to end on that note, uh, I don't know. You know, it, it, it's an individual decision. Uh, there could be underclassmen who are still harboring the thought of going to the NFL and will play in the game and then finalize that decision after the game. That's how it used to be anymore, though. Now uh, they skip this game, uh, you know, and, and already seem to have an idea in their mind. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. What what can you do? I mean, it, it the kids, the guys are within their rights to do whatever they want to do. So, um, you know, it, it like I said, this creates opportunity for so many other people and uh, watch the game to see which young guys jump out at you and uh, get ready to play for 2024, particularly the two quarterbacks. You're going to find out, mm-hmm. do you really have anything with Devin Brown? And, you know, here's Lincoln Keynotes, who's played like six snaps all year. Maybe he'll get a series or two as well. And, you know, what, what's he going to do with that opportunity? Does he make the most of it, or is the moment way too big for him? I mean, it's it's almost an unfair situation to put a true freshman in there against an SEC team, Missouri, albeit. But uh, it's really funny. Ohio State's had so many problems beating SEC teams in the bowl games. They beat Arkansas in the Sugar Bowl one time, and the real SEC fans were like, that's not real SEC. That, that's <laughs> Arkansas. That's not real SEC. So if Ohio State beat Missouri, believe me, the Alabama and Georgia fans aren't going to give them any credit for that. That's right, a passage, too, to sit out these games when you're a big-time player at a big-time school like Ohio State. And it's not like, like you said, Steve, when we were young and you wanted that Rose Bowl ring or whatever else offshoot bowl game that wasn't played for a national championship, you wanted it. It was a rite of passage to play. Now it's a rite of passage to be good enough to sit out. Uh, The only other people that I could imagine that might not play – 
that could have the opportunity to come back would be if there's somebody really injured that couldn't make the game on the 29th. Does that player exist, or is it simply a matter of the names that Kenny just rattled off? Yeah, I think that those are most of them. I mean, Lathan Ransom, the safety, uh, you know, they thought maybe he'd be back for the playoff or the bowl game if possible, but, you know, does he want to come back and risk an injury or whatever, you know? Just hard to say for again exhibition football. Yep. This is not the spring game. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's akin to the spring game in some regards. So only with on national TV with you know lights and you know cameras and everything. But uh, yeah, we're going to go down to Texas for the the excitement of all that. So looking forward to it. Last oh, I hear the music. I'll save it for our conversation next week, Steve Hellag. And we always all appreciate right. the time and the insight. Great stuff as always. Keep up the fantastic work at Bucknuts.com, and have a great weekend. All right, bud? Yep. Same to you guys.